Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for. And sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Christine Grillo's debut novel is Hestia Strikes a Match. She is a writer and an editor whose short fiction has appeared in Story Quarterly, The Southern Review, Lit, and more. Her nonfiction covers science, public health, food systems, agriculture, and climate change, and has been published in outlets such as the New York Times, The Atlantic, City Lab, Audubon, Next Tribe, and Real Simple. Grillo earned degrees at Columbia University and the writing seminars at Johns Hopkins University, and she has been a fellow at the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. She lives in Baltimore, Maryland. Here is my conversation with Christine. Well, welcome to Ask a Librarian, Christine. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thank you, Julie. I'm really glad you asked me to do this. I'm thrilled that you said yes. I love a successful (laughs) cold call. But with you, I have to say, it's not really a cold call because you and I share the lovely agent Naomi in common. So I feel like we're already sort of on like the same team or something. I love it. I know. We have joint custody of Naomi, and I think we also have joint custody of Jane, too. (laughs) We do have joint custody. I love that. Yes, you are friends with the lovely and talented Jane Delury, who is just a delight and someone that I'm so thankful I'm connected to, another Zippy Books author. So her book, Hedge, Mm -hmm. comes out in June, but Hestia Strikes a Match, which is your book, will be out so soon. What's its exact release date? It's April... 13th? It's Tuesday, April 18th. 18th. Yeah. Oh, exciting. 18th. And this yeah. is your debut novel, correct? This is my very first published novel, yes. Indeed. Congratulations. How are you, you finding the, the run-up to publication so far? I'm finding it a little exhilarating, but also pretty stressful. It's been, I feel like I have a lot of work to do around it, which I had not really anticipated and just sort of weird, inexplicable work around that. And then there's the thrill of good reviews and then the crush of not good reviews. And so I'm sort of waiting to see, you know, hoping that nothing too soul crushing comes out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was great. The Washington post included me in their April, their list of 10 books for April, which was so unexpected and amazing. And I saw that. So thrilling. Yeah. At the same time, I'm also starting to, you know, I can't help myself. I know that part of self-care means not checking Goodreads, but of course, stop myself. And so the one star reviews have started to come in there too, which I probably shouldn't talk about on this, but you know, there's such balance. (laughs) That's true.
true. It's good to acknowledge the balance in the universe. We're here for it. But yeah. I am with you. I I really wonder if I'm going to be able to hold back because it is sort of, like, that's going to be a really tough one. I don't know. That'll be a tough one to, to yeah. hold, right? I, I think for whatever good positive feelings you have for yourself, yes. just hold back. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm going to have to like, take it off my, I'm going to have to put in some blocks for myself. I'll have to have my kids set a password or something. Crazy. Oh, that's a really great idea. Right. <laughs> that's what I should do. I should have them change the password to my Goodreads and only they can look at it. And then. Oh, wow. And only I'll, if you clean up your room. A hundred percent. It's like you're at my house because literally that, <laughs> that statement was just issued by my husband to my son. <laughs> clean up your room. It's, it's one of his favorite things to say that and get ready for bed, which is like, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 1130 AM, just get ready for bed. Just brush oh, your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If no one, you won't, you wouldn't believe it as a child. If someone told you that as an adult, you would want to be told to go to bed, but yes. It is a hundred percent correct. I agree. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book. Will you give me your, your elevator pitch or your summation of Hestia Strikes a Match? Sure. It is kind of a, it's a dark comedy about a woman in her forties who's become single all of a sudden after being married. And she is navigating the world of dating in your forties, dating apps. And it's also the beginning of a civil war in the United States. It's set pretty much this year in 2023 and so while navigating all of this dating stuff, she's also really trying to figure out friendships and how to have meaning through connection with people, especially in a scary time. Yes. Yeah. I have to say, I loved this book. I was such a fan. I will make sure I give it five stars on Goodreads <laughs> and I'll downvote some of the other ones. But you know, the things I was looking back. So I read it when we confirmed this interview. So a while back, I couldn't wait to read it. I was so excited. And Naomi was telling me how much she loved it. And so I picked it up and I had highlighted all these passages. So I went back today before our interview and I was looking through them and I was remembering the feel of the book. And it is sharp in all the best ways. It's well-written. It's tight. It's Your descriptions are just so accurate and pointed. And it, it's a joy to read. I really loved it. And one of the other things I loved is I really was rooting for Hestia. I, she... I was I loved her. I was rooting for her. She annoyed me. She was yeah. she was so human and you wrote her with such life and honesty. I it was such a joy to read. So I think that it was a fantastic book and I'm not surprised that it's getting included in all these lists because yeah. it was just so perfectly placed too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. One of my one of the my early reviewers said something that I thought was so accurate about it. She said, I just want to reach all across the table and shake Hestia. <laughs> yes. I couldn't yeah, agree more. Person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, okay, let's talk about now. I don't know. How woo-woo are you about your characters? Like, do they come to you in the night like little little visions? Or is it more yeah. you had a vision to create 
her? I mean, how did how did you find her? Yeah, so she is really, I think, probably a version of me. Okay. Like a I would like to think a less mature version of me. I, I hope I'm more mature than she is. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. <laughs> but I think that that character really came from personal frustrations. You know, I started writing the book in the middle of the Trump administration and I was just so, you know, you reach a point where you can only stare dead eyed at the news on your phone so much longer. And then you have to just start finding the humor in things. Right. And, and so I just started writing that stuff down and imagining what it would be like to be in a civil war mm-hmm. and, and to have confederate minded people showing their asses the way they do all the time and so hestia just seemed like a very even more like frustrated angry confused version of myself mm. But then other characters, I really, I'm not really sure, you know, there's a character in there named Mildred, who is an 80-something, she's the best friend of Hestia, and and I'm not sure where she came from. I, I think she's just an amalgamation of all these wonderful older ladies in my life who, I, what I love about older women is they don't hold back. That is so true. Yes. <laughs> yes. And sometimes it's not great. I, I had a grandmother who would always, she'd like adjust her dentures and she'd say how much her dentures were hurting her. And she'd say, don't get old, kid. That's <laughs> I thought, what is the alternative? Yeah. Old? Do I have an option? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. But just older ladies, I had a great aunt by marriage who would ask me about my sex life all the time. And I just thought, this is so much fun. (laughs) Yes, it is. It feels like the culmination and I'm starting to experience this more as I'm in, you know, getting to my mid forties where it's, and that's still early days for it. But it just, when I think back to being 20 and just, and all the things I was carrying and you do, you care less in a lot of the right ways. So I can see how, yes, my filter will just slowly be eroded until one day I'm just like a walking problem. <laughs> just, just spewing whatever comes to mind. Just an but unfiltered fountain. Yes. <laughs> but there's a freedom to that and a, a yeah. real embracing, I think, especially since we're so socialized to think before we speak and, you know, this kind of... especially women. I mean, we don't want to say the wrong thing and we don't want to seem too hungry or too... We don't want to have needs and... It's impossible. Being a woman is so impossible. And so to reject some of that as we get older is like, it feels so good and to see it in, in shifts. So yeah. I love that you have those different ages. And I loved Mildred, of course. I had some of the lines I marked when you were talking. So this is Hestia speaking. I had a special knack for draining the joy out of beautiful things, which I'd been perfecting for more than 40 years. <laughs> and I I love her self-awareness, like the the mix of her immaturity and self-awareness. Yeah. She's just so 
perfectly suited that way. I also really liked I uh, two factor authentication felt like a slow death. <laughs> oh God! Like every day for me. <laughs> That's how I feel about the captcha thing, right? Yes. Like there's that, or we're gonna call you or text you the code. There's so many things yes. I haven't even like. I'll try to do something and then I just give up halfway through. It's the worst. Right. Right. I had to really hold myself back when writing about the workplace because there was just so much that I wanted to complain about, about the modern workplace in that book. And then I was like, okay, you're just, you're going too far. You're like, nobody cares about content management systems and how awful they are as much as you do. (laughs) The book would become just a place to air all your grievances. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I did, I did try to get some of that mundanity of the workplace there and how, I mean, I remember older people telling when I was in my twenties and I would, was in shock about the fact that I had to work and like get up and go to work every day and that it's it was stupid. never going to end and there's mm-hmm. never summer vacation. And, and people would say, well, you know, there are three P's and you, you're you lucky if you get two of them. And I think it's like pay, people, and I forget what the third P was, but it had something to do with having a purpose. That's what it was, pay oh, okay. and purpose. And so I feel like the people are really what is so much what what keeps a person happy at work. And that's definitely true for Hestia in this book is she goes to work to see the people and because she has to make a living. But I really like the way that you set that up because it does give this, I think one of my favorite things of the book is that she's in this stressful environment, but it really is the ordinary in her life that is fortifying. Mm-hmm. And that kind of idea that we're we are grounded by the ordinary in our life, even though we're sometimes longing for you know. Of course, we want the transcendent and we want all these other things, but it just I really love that about about Hestia's arc and her journey because it feels like she's coming around to what is actually going to keep her grounded and happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something that I thought about a lot when trying to build the world of a civil war. Because it's civil war is scary. I mean, not that I know, I've never been in one, but I've, you know, I work with a human rights organization. And so I know a little bit about civil war. And I think one of the things that keeps, that I keep being drawn to is, that you still have to do these like daily living things that are so tedious. You still have to make your bed and mow the lawn and pack your kids lunch. Like they still, even in civil war, kids still go to school. Right. Right. So it's, yeah, that, that, that's what kind of tethers you. Yep. Your day to day. And, and so, like I said, I was writing this during the Trump administration and thinking a lot about what was happening to our country and what would it be like for my kids? I have kids who are young adults now, but at the time they were going to proms and getting their driver's licenses. And Mm -hmm. I would find myself thinking like, this stuff is still going to happen, right? Like, even if the worst happens and we go to war, we're still going to like have to get a prom dress and 
And so that really, like, I, I, I think sometimes maybe it's possible to forget you're in a civil war. Yes. Yeah. How did you, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder if that forgetting would almost be necessary at times because you would need, I mean, we can't, we can't live in crisis all the time. You know what I mean? Even in a crisis, there's still sort of this moment of, oh, but I have to load the dishwasher. Like, and that can be (laughs) sort of a, a reprieve because you, you end up finding, okay, this, this is still something that I know to do. I know how to do as opposed to, you know, the outside. But I found a lot of lessons in that because even though we're not in that experience, there are so many pieces of this book that feel like, oh, that is absolutely plausible. I mean, there's nothing that I think, oh, that's way outside. So it was, which is both really wonderful that you wrote it so well and completely terrifying. Well, there was a, there are some experiences I've had, you know, since the book has been finished where life will imitate art a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's a character in the book, we, we never meet her, but she is the wife of a character and she is killed in like a save a lot or a shopping shop, right? Shop, right. And after the book was like done and the deal was made and all of that, there was that terrible shooting, you know? And so stuff like that happens. And then in the book, there are moments when, you know, the electric grid goes down in the city or the sewage system isn't working because that, because terrorists have deliberately made that happen. Mm -hmm. And that that happened in Baltimore kind of recently where people shot up an electric substation and the electricity wasn't working. And it's like, I don't want this stuff to actually come true. Well, so, 100%. You know, and I'm, I'm not making it happen, but no. it is just a very weird. <laughs> I'm sure that is a weird experience where you're like, wow, I yeah. didn't see that being something that would jump off these pages ever. Yeah. Well, but all of that stuff, I mean, the civil, the civil war stuff that happens in the book is none of it's that outrageous. It's not. No, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's all perfectly within, like you said, like within reason of what, what could happen. Yeah. It's, but I think that makes it so much more, I think that's part of why I loved the book so much though. You, at least I found myself, I, I clung to Hestia a little bit where I felt like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I need to be, you know, you're reading these sections about what's happening outside, but I'm, I'm focused. I'm clinging to her life be in the same mm-hmm. way that I would cling to the, the real life that I could find in the midst of whatever crisis I was in. It just, you did such a wonderful job. How did you get into writing? Like, when did you become a writer? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I had the fortune or misfortune of being told all through school, oh, you're a good writer. You should do something with that. Oh, great. (laughs) Um, There's this great New Yorker cartoon. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's the cap. It's a teacher telling a child, you're such a good writer. And the caption is something like the moment Johnny's life was ruined. I've seen that one before. It's so true. I didn't really do much writing in my 20s. I managed to come out of college and just 
work different jobs and not do a whole lot of writing. And then toward the end of my 20s, I thought, I really actually just want to do this. And so I I was writing for companies that were doing CD-ROM, like games on CD-ROM. Okay. And so like kids stuff, like science-y kids stuff. Okay, sure. I was writing dialogue. Mrs. Frizzle, you know, Magic School Bus. Yes, the Magic School Bus. I was working on those. Oh, what And uh, And then I... I know. And then I... Finally, just applied to graduate school and started, you know, moved to Baltimore and did that. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, a long time. How does it feel? So you've been writing for a long time, for a number of years. How does it feel to be publishing a novel at this point in your career? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. It is very weird. I'm in my 50s. And so, yeah, you know, I'm never going to be on one of those lists, you know, like oh. top, you know, readers yeah, under too. 30. Yep. Keep track of readers under 40. I'm not even readers under 50. There are no lists. <laughs> they just, readers. yeah, they don't seem to include, I guess 50 under 50 just doesn't have the same, or 60 under 60. Maybe the volume's too big for them. I don't know. Right. They really need right. to fix that. So, I'm not going to be on a, you know, writers to watch list, which is actually wonderful. Like I, I do sometimes think about writers who made it pretty big when they were in their twenties. And I feel badly for them sometimes because I mean, I think my lack of success over 20 years was helpful in some way. And I don't think that having success come too early is a good thing. I think puts a lot of pressure. I mean, I feel a lot of pressure right now to work on a good second book. And I already feel like the book I'm writing now is not anywhere near as good. And I just can't, um, you know, I just can't imagine how difficult my brain was in my 20s just a difficult place to be was my brain and to put, to have that kind of pressure when I'm young would have been really hard. I think. That makes complete sense to me. And I agree. I think about that pretty often actually, because like we were talking about earlier, you know, you're, as you're aging, you're, you're dropping so many burdens that you didn't need to carry anyway. And so with everyone that's dropped, you have a little more space to actually see yourself and your life and all these things as they are. And so to have that perspective, you're right. I would have, that would have been so bad for my (laughs) mental and emotional health 
right? Right. So to suddenly become a, a star in your 20s when you no. have no skills. <laughs> no skills. And you're right. And it's funny, I'm getting to the age now where I look at some of the like pop stars, and obviously our culture with celebrity is so twisted anyway, but some of these singers, young people that are having this wild success. And I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, that would mess you up so badly. I mean, if you can come out of that even halfway unscathed, then you are good to go because that is intense. So I love that Mm. perspective for you where it's, yeah, you know a little bit more where to put things and your mind is a better place to be, to hold those one-star reviews, right? (laughs) That's right. But we're going to change your password and we're going to make it two-factor authentication. (laughs) Oh, then I'm I, never I can't yeah. wait. Give me your Goodreads password. I'll fix your red wagon. <laughs> but I, I really, I appreciate that. So when you were doing in your other writing, so your master's was, did you get an MFA? It's an MA, but yes, I got, I got an MA at the Johns Hopkins writing seminars. Johns Hopkins. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do in your spare time when you're not writing? You also have a day job I hear. I have a day job. I have a couple of jobs. My job that I do that gives me my health insurance is, is, is uh, science writing. So I work with researchers at the Hopkins School of Public Health, and I work with them to write about food systems, um, which can be anything from like how cows and pigs are raised to how uh, SNAP benefits work for yes. low-income people. So I, I, they investigate those issues and I try to write about them in a way that makes sense for non-scientists. Um, I also do freelance work for a human rights organization, which yes, is called okay. human, human Rights Data Analysis Group in San Francisco. And so I've been working with them for about 10 years and I they're very, they do a lot of math voodoo and mm. I try to write about the math voodoo in a way that makes sense. So I'm a translator, basically. You really are. Do you <laughs> yeah. enjoy that work? It's really great. I mean, there is kind of a thrill about finally being able to understand something that's so esoteric. Yes. But then, and then having to be like, okay, now that I understand it, how do I explain it? Because I finally got it. Yes. But it, it is. I love languages. And so I, I love thinking about all the very specialized words that happen in these fields and how they all mean different things. And yeah, it's it's pretty, it keeps my brain alert. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that would be so interesting because I too am a, that would be something I think I would enjoy because I'm a science minded person. I, you know, but I think that I love that idea. And when I get a new concept, it's just so satisfying to think, oh, I'm still, monkeys can learn. I'm still capable. (laughs) My brain hasn't been atrophied by Vanderpump rules yet. (laughs) There's a little plasticity left in this brain yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hope is not lost. So I think that sounds really exciting and you're right to be able to translate it and it's important information. So to be able to share that with the public is, Mm -hmm. I could imagine that being really satisfying. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a world, I mean, we're inundated with content now, so it's really hard to find a way 
it's, I mean, it's not as bad now, but there were four years there where it was hard for any news to come to light because yeah. of crazy stuff that was happening. But yeah, I mean, when people choose to listen to a new thing, that's yes. such an honor because they have so much stuff coming at them mm. and they choose to listen to this podcast. Like, wow. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Such a compliment. Yeah. You're right. Well, because it's our, they have unlimited choice and limited time. So for someone to choose to spend minutes with you in any format is a gift. And I'm sure you feel that way about the book as well, right? Where it's like that people read it. It's just so thrilling to me. I know. I know. Like you, you spent all those hours reading that book. That's (laughs) wow. (laughs) It immediately makes me want to go out and read their book. Even if they don't have a book, maybe you should write a book so I could read it. A hundred percent. Yes. How do I pay you back for this? Right. Yeah. The time. (laughs) I love hearing about that. So you do the science writing. What would you say? So are you working? You said you're working on another novel. I am. I'm I'm very slowly plodding through this novel. And I think one of the things, it's a little more serious. It's, okay. it's more set, it's set on the Eastern shore of Maryland. And it's about a woman who's like my age with older children trying to figure out, it, it's set sort of post, like not post, like pre-apocalypse, I guess. Okay. okay. The world has changed a lot. Okay. And they need to do things. They need to make a move. They need to do something. Got it. And so one of the things I keep running into is people who read Hestia always tell me, oh, it's so funny. I laughed so much when I read that book. And I always think, ah, what I'm writing right now is not funny. (laughs) It's not going to be funny. (laughs) You know, that's so true. The pressure to produce, not only produce something else, but something good and something that's in line. Yes. I completely understand that. I will say I talked to, I asked Joanna Rakoff about that once because she mm-hmm. wrote My Salinger Year, and, but she read, wrote A Fortunate Age prior to that. I think. Okay. I think that was first. But anyway, she's written a novel and she's written in both genres, memoir and novel. Mm-hmm. But we talked about the second book thing because... I think I said the whole idea sounds absurd to me. I don't I don't know how do you do that and then how do you and right. for me starting with memoir I was saying, you know, how do I then do fiction are people even going to want to read that or will they just think no, I just want like I right. just want from Christine Grillo what Christine Grillo right. already gave me which is again another funny sharp novel that looks just like right. this boilerplate which of course I mean unless you're one of these amazing writers that can just churn these out. I don't know that that's in the future for many of us. But what she said is, you don't need to worry about that. She said, just write a good book. Right. Don't compare it. And it's very wise. Yeah. Yes, she is very wise. And I was like, okay, perfect. Just write a good book. Let me write that on a sticky note. And then I'll (laughs) put it right here. And that will solve all my problems. Just Mm -hmm. write a good book. But there is a truth to it, right? Where it's this... And and maybe that's exactly what we're talking about. All these, the voices, the thoughts, the shoulds, the how am I going to make this work? But how you're am right. I going to get 
how am I going to give the people what they yes. seem to want? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the people pleasing that oh, comes out was, again. Yes. yes. Golly, people pleasing. It's going to be the death of us all, right? It, well, yeah. <laughs> but we're so delightful on our way down. Right. I will happily, yes. I'm driving, but sure, I can hold that for you. No problem. That's great. Right. Oh, I I can totally see that. Well, that's very exciting. And I will read your novel even if it's not funny. Okay. I'm excited. Because your writing, I think, can there were I I really liked your writing. I think it's just tremendously talented. And you do a good job too of balancing the I struggle sometimes with novels that have too much description. They bore me. And yours was really well balanced. It's not too dialogue heavy. It just, it was a joy to read. Thank you. It's such an interesting thing too, because I I read, I have a lot of writer friends and we all read each other's work and comment on it and help each other out. And one thing I've noticed is just in the 20 years that I've been writing, and I think it's just the the world and the media that we're inundated with. Like, yes. I feel like just it's harder to get away with longer descriptions now. That's interesting. I think like, you're right. Like, di- like I want dialogue. I yes. want because we're so. I mean, there's so many amazing TV shows and movies, and that's the the water that we swim in. Yes. And every now and then, I'll pick up a Virginia Woolf book and start mm. reading it. And I think, would this be published today? Interesting. You know, what would an editor say to Virginia Woolf? <laughs> that would be a great book, right? To bring some of those people into the present day and they have to come work at a publishing house. <laughs> this is a podcast idea, Julie. Is get an editor to give you his or her accounting of famous novels. That <laughs> is the approach it today. Great idea. And that would be really good for me because I should say that my I feel like I'm not as well read as I should be in the classics. So that would kill multiple birds with one stone. Ooh, very exciting. I I'll ask my editor. Party. Thomas Hardy with all those yes. descriptions, long descriptions oh. of the Moors. And, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. If I could survive it, I'd probably just be, I did make the kids, not make, but I did a fifth grade book club years ago and I chose little women. Like how cruel is that? I'm, I mean, they're young for that. Right. So I ended up giving them a sticker at the end that said, I read a big fat book. Because I was like, <laughs> you deserve a medal for finishing that puppy. They deserve that. Yes. Well, so exciting to hear what you're working on next. I do want to ask you uh, just about what do you think is your best, what would be your best wisdom? You have a lot of writer friends. You have a lot of, you know, you're very much in the writing world. What mm-hmm. would be your best, not even best, what's a piece of wisdom that you would share with someone who's, just starting out? Mm. Well, I like Joanna's piece of wisdom. So I'll, I'll bounce off of that a little bit, which is don't worry so much about the publishing, Mm. just write something good. Like start with that. Yes. I think sometimes people who are new to it get very caught up in, well, what journals should I be submitting to? And should I go to this workshop? And like, who should I get to know? And yes, I think just focus on the writing Mm -hmm. and also do a lot of reading. Reading is really important. 
What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I am reading Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. Yes, author Station Eleven. Yes. How are you liking it? I've heard mixed reviews. I mean, I've heard it's amazing, but people have had different experiences with it. What's your experience so far? Well, I'm only 20% of the way through, which I know because I'm reading it on an audio book. And I love how big you are 17% of the way through with this book. Um, (laughs) It makes me feel excited. I'm like, oh, yay. Okay. Good for me. Yeah. (laughs) I really, I'm enjoying it. I like her writing. I, I find that there's just... She has so much to say about every single character in the book, even if it's the most minor character. She tells you their whole life history in like four sentences. (laughs) It's amazing how some writers can do that. I'm always really impressed by people that can weave that in without it being laborious. But I also wonder, where did they come up with that? Like, do some, you know, I think the whole where characters come from is really fascinating. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm interested in this book because it's only six hours long, which is such a short book for her. <laughs> it is a short book for her. I know I'm excited to read it. I like many books on my shelf have it in hardcover, even though it's already out in paperback and I have not yet read it. And my brother just came to visit and I said, let's go to the bookstore. And he goes, you have a color coordinated bookstore right here. And I said, get out. <laughs> You're dead to me. And my kids were so happy. They were like, ah, we always tell her that. This is great. Uncle yeah. Brian should come visit more. Yeah. Well, with traders. Whenever I, my daughter lives in New York and whenever I visit her, we've fallen into this pattern where what we do is we go to a bookstore, a different bookstore every time. Of course. And I, you know, end up buying her a book or two and then we go out to dinner. So that's our... And there are so many bookstores in New York to go to. I don't think we're going to run out. (laughs) So many worthy bookstores to support and be at. I love being among books. Bury me among the books. Like that's just, it's where it is. Well, I have one final non-important question for you. And that is this. So you're finishing this sentence. Few people know I could talk for hours about what? Native plants. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, are you yeah. a gardener? I'm a gardener and and I'm but I'm one of those like evil purist gardeners oh. where I'm no, I mean I do have tulips and daffodils and hyacinths and all that stuff, but I'm if if anyone listening is a fan of Douglas Tallamy, I'm really into his sort of building yards and lawns and habitats that are micro suited to where you live really into growing things that benefit the wildlife around. Like I, I like to build ecosystems. At least that's what I want to do. (laughs) I would love, Oh, I can hear you even talking about that for hours. So that would be a really good conversation for me living in California. What with all of our green lawns and our drought and all the things. Yes. I'm a big, I'm a big kill your lawn proponent. So There is a movement. (laughs) There is. You heard it here first. I mean, who knew? You'd be educated on all things today on Ask a Librarian. Thank you so much. Kill kill your lawn. Well, thank you so much for this time. I am so thrilled to talk to you and be connected to you and so glad that we have joint custody of such fantastic people in our lives. (laughs) But I, it really is a joy to talk to you and I'm so excited for Hestia to be out in the world 
And I just think she's going to do beautifully. And I love her. So I'm really excited for you. And just let me know when you want to send me your Goodreads password. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Julie. This was so much fun. Thank you. Really grateful. All right. Oh, I'm thankful. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.